0: super talk mississippi media production
1: hello ladies and gentlemen this is jamie Creel with shelter insurance come see how we have built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our switch and save located in ridgeland and florida mississippi give us a call 601-992-6000
2: to all the folks in the Capital city metro area love to have you join me tomorrow morning 609 gallo show we'll start your day the informed way super talk mississippi 97.3
0: our differences to the side and talking about something we all love. In
3: our Roman man
4: river, lavish lakes and streams, pines full of the wildest life and possibility. I say, world. Well,
0: It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Foundation Studio,
5: right here on Velexi's Back Bay, welcome to Super Talk Outdoors, where we celebrate every single Monday at lunchtime the world class outdoors of the state of Mississippi. I want to thank you for joining us on this powerful Super Talk Mississippi radio network or on Super Talk TV at C Spire TV. But if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast, it is March the 14th 2022 got a little cold blast got a little cold blast over the weekend uh not what you would typically see this time of year but uh it's going to start to warm back up again hope you enjoyed that little uh little breath of cold air (laughs) turkey hunting is in full swing uh, across the state of mississippi fishing with the exception of this past weekend fishing's beginning to kind of heat up we're seeing lots of good reports of speckled trout and redfish and you know offshore Things are really beginning to 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 show some life, and as we go forward, it's going to really get good. I'm looking forward to kind of shifting gear and moving into my offshore mode here from Biloxi. Uh, by the way, if you listen, if you uh, if you uh, want to see our Super Talk Outdoor shows, the videos for the show, we put all of them on Facebook and YouTube. You can go to the Super Talk Outdoors Facebook page and follow us and share us with your friends. The people you know love Mississippi's outdoors. Well, I have a little frog in my throat today. My wife Ann and I are on the on the backside of the flu, not COVID, just the seasonal flu. Last Friday, I, I drove up to my place in the Mississippi Delta. We we call it Delta Bluffs. It's a it's a, the hunting club we have there. We lease three different farms up there. My friend Mark Creech joined me there. The plan was to pull some cameras to to move a couple of stands to clean the camp house, pick up the deer meat at BB's and uh, Greenwood. You know the drill. I got there before market. I actually was able to get the, the camp cleaned out, but that's about as far as I got. I felt the flu coming on. I had a really tough night, Friday night, and I uh, got up in the morning and said, you know, I think I can get back to the coast. So I made that drive back to the coast. And on the way, my wife calls me and says, she's running a temperature. So the two of us, thank goodness for our doctor, Dr. Mitakaviri and Balexi, and some Tamiflu and some rest. We're, we're doing better today, even though I'm a little bit froggy still. The good news is Mark was able to get a lot of work done still at the camp, thank goodness. And uh, you know, one thing that he ran across while he was out pulling some cameras was a cow grazing on one of our favorite food plots. <laughs> I mean, that was not a site that you normally see. I posted the video at our Facebook page, and it's uh, gotten thousands of views already. I think people are, are bored because uh, deer season's over. Lots of funny comments. Somebody said that was a Black Panther, and others said that it was a... Uh so, some kind of genetic species you know, anyway, people have a lot of fun looking at the at the cow video the cow actually belongs to our neighbor Michael Gailey, uh, the Gailey family terrific neighbors, just some of the best people you ever want to know he was able to, to go in and corral the, the cow back up and fix what was essentially a, a hole in the fence so now let's move over to uh, Trevor Santos, the director of governmental relations and state affairs for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, good, good Good afternoon, Trevor. How you doing, buddy? Hey, good afternoon,
1: Ricky. Thanks for
5: having me on today. Th- thank you for joining us. So we we got a lot to talk about. I mean, first of all, the work that you do in general, uh, for uh, as it relates to conservation in states, is incredibly important. We're going to remind people, at least, explain to them what the National Shooting Sports Foundation is all about. But before we go there, t- t- tell me first of all, you're coming in from from your home in a- Athens, Georgia, right?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, located here just outside of Athens, been here about four and a half years after escaping Washington, D.C., where I did about a, a seven-year stint up there uh, working in government relations. But uh, grew up in Florida, so it's good to be back down south.
5: Well, it's good. It's g- glad to have you here. And I know you've won. You know, I've often quoted... Uh, uh several several people on the work that georgia has done in the area of conservation as it relates specifically to the outdoor stewardship trust fund that i'll talk so much about here on the on this show and we're, we're going to come back to that in just a second but you know where did your love of the outdoors come from trevor
1: well ricky it, it's a bit unique because i grew up in tampa florida in the suburbs of tampa not a whole lot of hunting uh, didn't grow up around friends that hunted But I was very fortunate to have family in South Georgia, in Albany, Georgia, and uh, it was really my uncle who instilled a a love for hunting in me at a young age, taking me out to the deer stand with him, to the dove field, and that really sparked my interest as I I started to get near graduation in college and try to figure out what I wanted to do, and uh, thankfully that passion is what ultimately led me here today, now 12 years after graduating from college.
5: Well, that's cool. So you went to the University of Florida. What what would you, what you get a degree in?
1: I did. I went to the University of Florida, Go Gators. It's uh, it's tough being here in Athens, Georgia, Bulldog country as a Gator. Um, but I was in the, the College of Agriculture at the University of Florida. Got a degree in Food and Resource Economics. Honestly, had no idea what I would do with that degree. Haven't really done much with it. Uh, although learning a little bit about the Farm Bill uh, in my ed- undergraduate studies, uh, you know, has kind of had a little bit of crossover on what I do today, but in all honesty, it was my involvement with Ducks Unlimited in college that led me to being involved in the policy arena today because following graduation from college, I moved to Washington, D.C. for an internship with Ducks Unlimited and their government affairs office in D.C.
5: Well, it is uh, it's amazing what it takes in terms of collaborations by so many different organizations, both non-governmental and governmental and otherwise, to preserve conservation enjoyment in this state. I mean, the state. I mean, excuse me, in this nation, you know, certainly in Mississippi, and we, we see that all the time. Uh, but the National Shooting Sports Foundation, first, let's just start with what is it, and then we'll talk about some of the focus that you guys have had over the years.
1: For sure. So the National Shooting Sports Foundation is a trade association for America's firearms and ammunition industry. So we represent firearm and ammunition manufacturers, distributors, retailers, shooting ranges, endemic media, and sportsmen's organizations across this country. Uh, People ask what the difference is between us and the NRA, and it's the checkout counter. We represent the business interests, whereas NRA or other organizations other organizations represent the
5: consumer interests. Well that's that's uh that's that's cool and it's an important organization that's doing incredibly important work. You actually had a stint uh, as a state lobbyist for the National Rifle Association. Tell me tell me a little bit about your time there.
1: I did so following my internship with Ducks Unlimited, I was fortunate enough to join the state and local affairs division at, at the NRA and Started at the bottom answering phone calls and doing expense reports and within about a year and a half I I worked my way up to being promoted to a state lobbyist for the NRA and at that time I covered four states. I had uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Missouri, and Indiana and As you would would know with those states being very pro-gun, it was a lot of offense. And uh, i tell you what, it, it was a, an extreme honor to be able to work for the organization, you know, now representing more than 5 million uh, law-abiding gun owners here in this country. But when I had the opportunity in 2014 to join the the National Shooting Sports Foundation, kind of as, as their number two in their state, and, state affairs division, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Uh, I'll certainly be forever grateful to the NRA and the opportunity they gave me and really, um, helping me learn this issue. Uh, you know, we, we see it um, from the outside, but when you're on the front lines working this issue in state capitals around the country, that, that's when you have to become very knowledgeable. Um, but that's also what, what sparked even a, a deeper passion for me on, you know, being on the front lines and, and fighting for gun owners and, and Second Amendment supporters and sportsmen across this country.
5: You know, this whole notion of the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment is something that is uh, you know we're not going to go into a big big long conversation about it, but it's something that is uh, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts for more reasons than than uh, than than we have time to talk about today. But in a recent conversation with with uh, Will Primos, we got to talking about Ukraine. You see the flag over my over my shoulder. And I think all, all Americans are sort of you know just still I mean just touched by the, the spirit of Ukrainians to fight for their country and for their freedom and, uh, you know, if they didn't have, if they weren't bearing arms, where would they be today? But in the conversation with Will, you know, Will kept You know, he brought the conversation back to the Second Amendment and and how the situation in Ukraine is reminding us, as, as wild as it may be hard to get your head around the possibilities here in America, which we hope never happens, this right to bear arms is a very serious issue. And frankly, I bet in your world, people talk about it more today than they were before as a result of what's happening in Ukraine. Do you face that on a daily basis?
1: Oh, absolutely. We're, we're seeing it more and more, and, and now we have a, a real-life example of, of why the individuals and, and the law-abiding people in a country need the ability to to take up firearms for self-defense. Um, so there's no doubt that, that this is this is a, a great time and a great learning example for our country, and, and I think you've seen even the firearm industry in our country wanting to step up to help the Ukrainians as well, Vist Outdoor last week, announcing that they wanted to send a million rounds between their companies of Federal, Remington, CCI and Spears. So, you know, again, this is, um, you know, while it is a horrific time for the Ukrainians, I think it's a wake up call for people here in our country to recognize that we have a right that uh, pretty much no other country in this world uh, has the uh, the privilege of, of exercising.
6: From Biloxi to Batesville and everywhere in between, Mississippi families work hard to put food on the table. With near record inflation eating into our paychecks, it's getting harder. Today, the average family is having to spend $276 more a month than the same time last year, just to keep up. Mississippi leaders have a unique opportunity to put real money back into the pockets of working people by eliminating the state's income tax, allowing our citizens to keep what they earn and invest in their families, their businesses, and our communities. Now is the time for bold action that sets Mississippi on a path to success for generations to come. To send a signal to our people and the world that Mississippi is open to business, Call your lawmaker and encourage them to move Mississippi forward by joining the likes of Tennessee, Texas, and Florida and eliminating its income tax. Visit EmpowerMS.org to learn more and take action.
3: Paid for by Empower Mississippi. At Clinton Body Shop, we really do take pride in perfection. And that's why we've been awarded the ICAR Gold Certification for our 30th year straight. get an oem certified repair using certified parts if an insurer tries to steer you somewhere else tell them you want the shop that's certified by the manufacturer of the car you drive we're located in clinton and richland or online at clintonbodyshop.com
2: morgan stone has been serving builders contractors and homeowners since 1997 they have
7: everything for interior and exterior projects
8: we have all kinds of stuff
7: marcus let me tell them. Stone pavers, stone benches, stone slabs, stone boulders, stone fire pits, flagstone, fieldstone, bluestone, cobblestone, chopstone.
8: That's right, Zeta.
7: I'm Zoe Morgan. We're
2: rock solid since 1997. Statewide delivery, the largest stone yard in Mississippi. Come see us at Morgan Stone in Brandon. Morganstone.com.
4: Magnolia Health is made for Mississippi
2: All the folks in the Capital City metro area love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way, Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: Leading the conversation on Mississippi's outdoors. It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
5: Welcome back to Coast I have uh, my friend Trevor Santos, who works for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and at the beginning, we just kind of determined where his love of the outdoors came from, and uh, and the work that they're doing across the United States to not only protect the Second Amendment, but also to focus on conservation efforts that are important to all of us. You know, Trevor, if you go back and you look, you look back at some of sort of what we were observing at the at the uh, turn of the 20th century, uh, we had a lot of work to do when it came to conservation, and for the most part, we really, we really listened to that and we've really been focused on it there's a lot of work to be done for sure but why don't you kind of re- rebuild some of that history for us so we can appreciate things like for example the Pittman-Robinson Act that
1: maybe people have heard of before Ricky I think uh, as, as we moved into the, the turn of the 20th century there was a lot of market hunting a lot of commercial hunting and over hunting of wildlife And it ultimately came down on hunters, recognizing that there had to be a pivot, otherwise what we love or what they love so much wouldn't exist in the next several years, much less the next decade or century. So it really was left up to hunters to, to decide, okay, we've got to do something about this. And it was at that same time that the firearm industry recognized that they could do something And it was actually in the 1900s that the firearm industry called on Congress to impose an excise tax on the sale of firearms and ammunition with those dollars ultimately going back to conservation efforts. In 1937, the Pittman Robertson Act was enacted by Congress. And what it did was it levied a 10% sales tax on handguns and 11% sales tax on long guns, ammunition, and archery equipment that would ultimately go into a trust fund. And once that that fund was collected at the end of the year, they would then disperse it back to the state wildlife agencies to use those dollars for conservation efforts, uh, wildlife habitat management, uh, hunter education, shooting ranges. So it it really was on the backs of hunters in the firearm industry that today's conservation efforts uh, are possible.
5: And it has led to some amazing investments in wildlife restoration, restoration in in so many different forms uh, across the United States. You know, you you've got a lot of responsibility in your in your job in multiple states, but Georgia specifically. Let's just talk about Georgia as a best practice right now, as it relates to what what they've done in addition to the Pittman Robertson Act to add a whole other layer of uh, of investment to the state of georgia that is going to pay back for years to come and i think one of the is one of the things i talk about on this show all the time is the the reason why mississippi needs a dedicated funding source is we need to be able to compete with states like georgia to get federal matching funds and the fact that we don't have a fund we've been losing out on probably somewhere in the range of 40 million dollars a year in matching funds but tell tell us a little bit about what's happening in georgia
1: So before I get into Georgia, I'll let the the viewers know. So when you talk about the matching funds, those are for the Pittman Robertson, uh, the match. But what the state has to do is come up with 25% of those funds. So while the state is is selling hunting licenses and fishing licenses, they really need other revenue sources um, because the, the hunting and fishing license are helping these agencies run. Um, But when we talk about Georgia, back in in 2018, the the legislature had a resolution that would create a dedicated funding source to help the state match and and get these PR dollars or Pittman-Robertson dollars. So the legislature passed the resolution and that was ultimately sent to the voters of Georgia, recognizing that conservation was a necessity Georgia voters overwhelmingly approved the constitutional amendment by more than 80% of the vote. So now what you have in Georgia is a dedicated funding source, really allowing the state to have more leverage to get these federal Pittman Robertson dollars. And as I looked last night in 2021 and 22, the state granted more than $28 million in grants. And what the projects we're talking about are Updating state parks and, and trails, but we're also talking about uh, managing wildlife management areas, which for me as a hunter is extremely important uh, because when I go out in the woods, you know, I want to see a well managed piece of property that is being funded by me, the taxpayer, me, a gun owner, me as someone paying for a hunting license.
8: Well, what, what, what? <laughs>
5: what georgia as a best practice in this area has provided for mississippi is sort of a a a blueprint for what could be you know taking a a relatively when you speak when you think about the amount of investment we could and should be making to conservation efforts in our state taking a relatively low amount of money and and building it into something that's very very significant in the case of Georgia you you guys have really been a best practice the other thing that I think by doing it as a state referendum by having an 80% vote uh, certainly the the the, uh, the work that we've done here in the state of Mississippi certainly gives us the kind of feedback in our research that says Mississippians would support uh, something like this in the, in the range of 80% as well. But instead of going the referendum route, we went the legislative route. And it's been tough. I mean, the first year, we made a little bit of progress and then it, it kind of, it, it just it, it stalled. We didn't get anything through. This year, it started out like it was going to be another stall, but the good news is we're beginning to have a lot of, of progress right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, you see what it will do for Mississippi if we create a dedicated funding source and get this bill passed, don't you?
1: Absolutely, and and what it comes down to is creating these public-private partnerships. We saw a great example of that in Mississippi several years ago when Winchester donated $1.5 million towards a shooting facility. So it really is when the state comes together with private entities that we can make great things happen. And I think by having the Mississippi Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund, you're now creating opportunities for private entities, NGOs to come in and say, look, we wanna assist Mississippi, whether it's on, on public land, because I know you've got, I think 10% of the state in public land, but you've also got a lot of private land that's ultimately you know, gonna benefit wildlife. So I think it's, it's a win-win all the way around, whether you're a hunter, you're a non-hunter, you're just someone who likes to enjoy the, the outdoors. For sure, I think. Yeah,
5: again, we've we've made a lot of progress, and I kind of gave a pretty serious update on where we were uh, last week. But seems like finally we're making progress on this. You know, this overall view that you cannot have serious conservation effort if you don't include. Uh, private land. I mean, you know, you know people want to think of, of private landowners as as rich people, but the truth is, most private landowners in Mississippi don't have the means to do the kind of conservation efforts that we need to be doing in the state. And uh, by having a dedicated funding source and the ability to go get federal funds, we can we can begin to to really fund some efforts across the state that are going to really make a difference. And you've seen that you. I, I, it's interesting that you've had you've continued to be involved in organizations. Like uh, like uh, like uh, uh, Ducks Unlimited, I, I mentioned Ducks Unlimited because they've done a lot of ha- habitat creation. But as as uh, as others have pointed out, it's it, it involves all non-governmental organizations that are involved in this in, in conservation. And they we're we're lucky in this state and we're lucky in this nation to have so many non-governmental organizations focused on conservation. Uh, of course, DU is just one of them. But it really does take a team of uh, you know of of people from all walks of life governmental and non-governmental the private sector the public sector to make conservation efforts work doesn't it
1: oh absolutely and that's what it's all about as a team effort you know you see me and the national shooting sports foundation representing the firearm industry coming together with the ducks unlimited you know a strictly conservation organization but you know nssf and the firearm industry recognizes that conservation is key to the future of what we love so much whether you know it's, it's raising those those needed matching funds for shooting range construction and improvement, or if it's just improving wildlife habitat, we know that you know the industry isn't going to have future consumers without these opportunities. So we're, we're here to support it, and we're here to be part of the team with Ducks Unlimited and Safari Club International and the Mississippi Wildlife Foundation. You know we're here to play our part and. And we hope that uh, that the the voters and and the uh, constituents in Mississippi recognize that this is you know huge for the state and and huge for the future of our hunting heritage.
5: Well, I want to give you an update, uh, Chairman Neil Whaley, who is the chairman of the Wildlife and Fisheries and Parks Committee in the Senate. Uh, we've we've had a, an ongoing sort of invitation out to him. We heard from him this morning and I think we're gonna try to have him on next Monday and we'll get an update. So the key now is You know, they're they're not not wanting to go with a diversion of sales tax. They're wanting to go with more of an appropriation. What we want them to do now is put the money in there. Put the money in there and recognize and sort of understand that this has to be multi-year. It can't be, it's not a one-and-done deal. Uh, Most of the projects require multiple years, and we need the commitment of funds to be able to do that. So I'm glad that we're still making progress, and I look forward to uh, staying in touch with you, Trevor, as we continue to watch what happens in Mississippi. I appreciate you spending some time with me this morning buddy
1: Hey, Ricky. thank you so much for having me today it's been a pleasure this
5: is Tra- Trevor Santos who works with the National uh, Shoot- Shooting Sports Foundation and well, actually nationally and uh, he's really really watching closely what happens in the state of Mississippi and others like him are doing that as well hey when we come back we're gonna we're gonna continue the conversation with Waldo Cleland and we're gonna talk about archery youth archery specifically we'll see you after this break
7: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, partly sunny conditions, high near 68. Tonight, a 90% chance of rain, low around 54. 90% chance of rain for your Tuesday, high near 60 degrees. And for your Wednesday, partly sunny conditions, high near 70 degrees. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha outboard dealer in Brandon.
4: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Skyrocketing inflation rates are costing the average American household close to $300 a month. Labor Department data shows consumer prices spiked 7.9% in February, a 40 year high. Jim Leggett is a lecturer of economics at Mississippi State University.
8: There's really only one way to fix inflation, and that is to reduce the amount of money floating around. Likewise, as we all know, there's really only one way to uh, uh, lose weight, and it's reduce net calories. Which means you got to stop eating as much, or or you got to exercise. And you know, if you're five pounds overweight, that's easy to fix. If you're 100 pounds overweight, that, that's problematic.
4: From January to February, gas prices jumped almost 7 percent. Grocery costs jumped 1.4 percent, and the cost of fruits and vegetables is up 2.3 percent.
2: Jam, rock and roll at Silver Star and Golden Moon Casinos and win your share of $75,000 this March. Every Friday and Saturday, we're giving away $1,100 in bonus bet every hour from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. Then at 11 p.m., two lucky winners will each receive $2,500 cash. Only at Silver Star and Golden Moon Casinos, Pearl River Resort Properties.
0: He doesn't accept the
2: narrative. He questions it. We're just getting to the bottom of this. Gallo, every single morning from 6 till 9.
0: Super Talk Mississippi no other news team covers the Magnolia state like Super talk Mississippi news on air with reports every hour and breaking news as it happens your news all the time on air and online at supertalk.fm this is super talk outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk, Mississippi it's cuts to
3: the walls and falls. Welcome
5: back to Super Talk Outdoors from the Foundation Studio right here on the Lexie's Back Bay. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my wife Ann and I are overcoming. That we're on the backside of the flu, so I'm a little froggy this morning. But enjoying enjoying uh, another Super Talk Outdoors. I especially enjoyed having that conversation with Trevor Santos. Uh, you know, we, we need people like Trevor who are who are really have a view of what's happening across the United States uh, to help us. Find those best practices and bring them back to Mississippi. And the fact that he's working with people like Ed Penny and Alex Littlejohn and a long list of other organizations focused on helping preserve and enhance the conservation enjoyment we have here in the state of Mississippi. We really appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate him and his org- his organization working so closely with us. So anyway, now let's shift gears and move over to someone I've really been looking forward to having a conversation with and getting to know better, Waldo Cleland, the famous Waldo Cleveland, who has really kind of dedicated his life to youth archery. Without any further ado, let me just uh, welcome Waldo to the show. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. well let's let, let's do this. Let's tell people who you are to begin with. You're from the Columbia area of Mississippi. You had a long, long history, literally as as a as a very, very competitive archery guy. You had your own archery business, but I want to I want to kind of go through those steps in your life. How did you actually get into bow hunting to begin with?
8: Well, my dad was a, a true, died uh, in the wool bow hunter, and uh, he got me started when I was very young, and it was a great family sport, and we got spending a lot of time together doing that.
5: So, literally, what was your what was your favorite sport growing up in terms of what you went after as as a bow
8: hunter? Uh, It really didn't matter to me. I love shooting bullseyes. I love shooting buck deer. It was whatever, uh, first come first serve. Uh, As long as I was shooting a bow, I was happy.
5: So you went on to open one of the South's largest archery pro shops you did, I think you opened in 1985. You served a bunch of states, I think 44 states and 14 countries. What made what you did so popular?
8: Well, we were able to give customer service. And I believe customer service is the key to any successful business at this point. And um, our customer service has been lost uh, uh, across the world uh, in the last few years. But in the old days, we would bring a customer in. uh, Say they would fly in from Saudi Arabia. uh, They'd land in New Orleans. We'd go pick them up, bring them up. They'd spend three or four days in my pro shop. We would rig them out completely, send them home happy and um, many many times people from these families came back again and again and again well you know
5: I t- tell you for, for bow hunters we we get this I've done some a little bit of bow hunting my sons uh, love to bow hunt but having a, a an archery pro shop that you can work with to get set up properly it's a big deal And and, and is it becoming a little bit of a lost art in Mississippi
8: no doubt, no doubt. The crossbows are a little bit easier to achieve success with, and uh, it seems like the bows are not quite as, as um, I guess you'd say, prevailing as they used to be. But um, uh, some people like, like the more uh, the faster bows, the crossbows, the scope sights, but there's still a huge percentage of us bow hunters that have went backwards, and we're back shooting recurves and longbows.
5: Yeah, no, I've I've seen I've seen that transition begin to happen. Uh, okay, so you went on to shoot professionally. How, how did you get into that? And let's tell people a little bit about your accomplishments along the way.
8: Well, I shot as an amateur in 1985 and 1986, and my scores were above most of the professionals. So, of course, I thought I would get rich, make all the money in the world shooting a bow. Uh, Didn't realize what it cost to get there, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, long story short, a good friend of mine, Terry Ragsdale, uh, partnered up with me. We shot Tony Clem uh, out in Denver, Colorado, and we shot in partners. Uh, Won some really big tournaments to begin with, and it seemed like it just ventured out from there just another
5: rabbit trail went on to win five national uh, titles yes sir that's, that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty significant you know what's interesting is you look at it today I guess sponsorships are kind of the key to making it today were sponsorships a big part of what was uh you know sort of the financial
8: calculus for you back in those days no doubt no doubt and um, again I, I bragged one time uh very out of line i made a, a statement bragging on some money that i had made and i noticed my wife was watching me and and shaking her head and uh when i got home she said let me show you how much it cost uh you to make that money and uh wow what a humbling experience but she's a very humbling person
5: you know i follow the bone collectors guys uh michael waddell and t-bone did you get to know t-bone along the way i did you know he's fighting cancer now. In fact, we've reached out to him to uh, to join us here on Super Talk Outdoors, and hopefully we'll have him on an upcoming show. But our prayers go out to T Bone and what he's going through. What an inspiration he is! But you know he he he's sort of the you know the old school uh, archery. A guy who knows how to set up bows and whatever, You kind of do what you do, and we need more of those kind of guys. It's hard harder to find guys who really are able to to go at it full bore. I, I love telling the story of uh, of Will Primos and Brad and how they came to get to know each get, got to know each other. Brad used to set up Will's bows, and Will wanted two bows exactly set up perfectly, and he would come during the week and um, and he would cause a line to show outside the door because he wanted to done so specifically and it took so much time and finally brad said well i can't do this anymore you're gonna to have to come back can you come back sunday after church and i'll take all the time you need and eventually they became very good friends and you know the rest is kind of history but you you know that you know that story
8: well don't you yes i do and i'll tell you the names that you mentioned some of the best boat hunters in the world live right here in the state of mississippi we're lucky
5: you know i say it all the time waldo um that this is the capital, the outdoors, and and in, uh, in the United States. And the reason why is because you know you can find certain aspects of what we do here in Mississippi that's better in other states. But you're not going to find a collection of different dimensions where you know I think uh, let's see Alex Littlejohn said you can you can shoot a duck in the Delta in the morning and then go to the coast that afternoon and catch a redfish. I mean, it's a really special place in that regard. And you've literally committed your entire career to not just bow hunting, but along the way, you got really interested in making sure we're pushing the love of the outdoors to our, to our kids. Now, you're doing it through archery, but at the end of the day, what your goal is to bring the outdoors to as many youth as possible so that we can preserve our outdoor enjoyment in the state of Mississippi. That's been a big part of your life,
8: hasn't it? Yes, it has. And, you know, our natural resources have to be taken care of. Well, we have to nurture our natural resources. But our most precious natural resource is probably our children. And if our children are not into it and rolling with the flow and, and keeping the heritage alive, we're in trouble.
5: We are in trouble, I I say it all the time on my show. But my I have two sons and a daughter, and some of my best best sons in my life. I never held a gun or a bow, just, just being with them in the outdoors and letting them do it. And then um, my friends uh, you know, like Clay Wagner and his sons, loving to hunt with their son his sons. And then more recently with uh, my friends, the the Dunn family up in the Mississippi Delta, and hunting with uh, with with Clint's son Jackson uh, Dunn. I just love spending time in the outdoors with kids and, and the truth is there are they are our future and what's what's amazing about what you have done through your archery program uh, waldo is that you've brought the outdoors to over fifty thousand kids annually and i mean that's nothing to sneeze at i mean that that is
8: making a mark you feel it don't you yes we do it i believe we feel it all across the state um, the the numbers uh, the numbers are extraordinary and um, you know our sport you don't have to be able to be one of the five kids in a school that can hit a baseball over the fence you don't have to be one of the ten schools and uh, uh, children in the school that can hit a softball over the fence dunk a basketball or kick a football through a goal post but our sport um, 99% of the, the shooters and the youth that we have in our program can be successful very successful in archery and archery uh, I'm 57 years old now the football baseball and basketball is gone but that archery is a life sport and I believe these kids are going to enjoy it from now on out well what
5: what happened okay so you you come from sort of winning national championships and 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 working to involve more kids in the effort things kind of progress and you end up becoming the director of the archery in Mississippi schools program which is better known as aims and it continues to evolve to this day you're you are you have made marks in, in more ways than one. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how that what that journey has been like to form AIMS and sort of where the program is today. And how did you get to the point of uh, somewhere between fifty and 100,000 students involved in that program? That is remarkable, Waldo. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Waldo Cleland. See you after this break. Child, let their words run
4: wild. I said one, Mississippi, there's a magnolia tree Two, Mississippi, where a mockingbird sings out on his limb Whistling that sweet
8: soul for him I said three, Mississippi, to this land called
7: spring is coming up and you can leave it up to us at ag up equipment
3: for your spring cleaning machine we have stocked up and can offer you long-term financing with low monthly payments get the john deere 3025e compact tractor with a loader for only 278 dollars per month with 72 months financing visit us at agup.com for more offer is based on 10 percent down offer enzo 320 2022 some exclusions apply see dealer for details
2: Before your next trip into the great Mississippi outdoors, make sure you stop by your local Gateway Tire and Service Center, where we go the distance for you. No matter where the road takes you, Kenda has a tire designed for your journey. On the road, on the trail, or on the racetrack, you can count on Kenda quality. For the past 50 years, Kenda has been building a better tire for life's most demanding activities. Actually, they overbuilt them Gateway Tire and Service Center supports Mississippi outdoors, and of course, we go the distance for you. Fellow here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning, six to nine. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point three.
0: We live in one of the best places in america to enjoy the outdoors so
2: let's talk about
0: it it's super talk outdoors with ricky matthews on super talk mississippi
3: it's cuts walls and fall football
5: Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors as we listen to my friend Steve Azar sing One in Mississippi, which hopefully will become the state song for Mississippi soon. What a great song that is, and I thank my friend Steve Azar for letting us use his song as the the theme song for Super Talk Outdoors. We're having a conversation with uh, Waldo Cleland. He is he is the director of the Archery and Mississippi Schools Program, Ames, as better known as the Ames program. He's got a long history in archery. And I mean literally between fifty and one hundred thousand kids a year involved in this program, it's really incredible. so let's let's come back to uh, first of all, where are you coming from right now, Waldo?
8: I'm at the Archery Center in uh, Jackson. Tell, tell me about that Archery Center. Wow, this archery center is unbelievable. Um, it's got a full indoor range. Uh, our collegiate archers practicing here. Our uh, high school archers practicing here. Middle school all the way down. We've got indoor, outdoor ranges. We've got 3D ranges. We've got spot ranges. We've even got skeet throwing machines to shoot skeet with a bow and arrow. So uh, we're, we're probably this is the finest archery center across the nation. I love it.
5: The capital of the outdoors. The capital of the, hey, listen, when you're the capital of the outdoors in the U.S., you've got to have first class facilities. You've got to have first class private land enjoyment. You've got to have good coordination with private landowners so that we can, we can all be in the conservation together. And, uh, and that, that center where you are located now is re- really one of the prides of our conservation and outdoors enjoyment in the state of Mississippi. Are you surprised with how, significant the AIMS program has become over the years?
8: Of all people, I would have figured I would not be surprised, but yes, um, I never had any thoughts of it turning as big as it's turned.
5: What caused that? Just because people are being introduced to it, is it because you got volunteers and people across the state that are engaged in the program who are as committed as you are to youth? How did we
8: get to this point? Well, it's, it's many small things, just, just as you said, but um, the need for the program, um, we, we had a niche, and we fill that niche perfectly. And it's almost like having the only gas station in the state of Mississippi. Everybody's going to get the fuel there, and these children love it. And um, it, it's, uh, it's incredible, and I think the sky's the limit. The, the future holds bigger numbers than what we have now.
5: Well, listen, something we talked about on this show a bunch of times, um, Waldo, is the fact that COVID was bad for a lot of reasons I've cer- certainly as it relates to your program bringing kids together in the facility and doing work together it slowed all that down but what it did is it increased the number of hunting fishing licenses across the state people felt safe in the outdoors people were being introduced back into the outdoors in ways they weren't before you guys found a way to sort of make it through the COVID situation and come out on the other side with a re- so almost like a renewed breath back into archery and, and just,
8: just just in general, people who want to love the outdoors, where are you guys today? Well, it uh, the, the COVID deal was pretty tough on us. Uh, the first year we canceled our shoots, uh, coasted through the second year, everything we were gonna be right back in the uh, stream of things, and uh, man, it uh, it blew up on us right within two weeks of the finish. Uh, when this happened. We had come up with a, a backup plan, of a virtual shoot. So the kids were able to shoot their bows at their schools and shoot their uh, scores in by telephone. And we wound up having over 5,000 uh, shooters or, or student athletes at that event. So it doesn't
5: surprise me you guys rebounded from COVID. It really doesn't because people just, you know, they're trying to find ways to, to enjoy the outdoors. And once they fall in love with archery, it's, you don't fall on it, uh, you know, out of love with it just because of COVID happened. You find your way to to move forward. I bet a lot of kids did a lot of practicing when, uh, when they couldn't be together. So, hey, listen, we only got a couple of minutes left. Let's go to where are you headed with Ames
8: Extreme? Tell me more about that. Well, Ames Extreme is nothing more than a bridge program. Uh, We're using fancier equipment. We're using release aids, sights, uh, peep sights, stabilizers, the whole nine yards. We're we're referring to this as our varsity archery program, and um, we're only allowing 10th, 11th, and 12th graders to shoot in this one. Uh, We wanted to start out with 10 uh, pilot uh, program schools for this year, and we're already up to 23 schools in it. uh, I believe it's going to grow out of sight uh, just like our regular AIMS program did.
5: Waldo, well, well, that is so cool. It's, it's neat the way you guys are innovative. I, you know, the one question as we get kind of ready to wind this down, I bet you have seen some amazing, amazingly talented people that would have never thought they would be in the archery. Now they're incredible leaders.
8: No doubt. And a lot of these kids, um, we send 25, 30 kids a year out on scholarship uh, to collegiate programs all across the U.S. We are one of the heaviest recruited states in the nation for archery. Makes me feel good. I
5: bet it makes you feel good. Hey, Waldo, it has been a pleasure to get to know you better. Congratulations on all of your success. We will have you back. I want to hear some specific stories of people that you would have never expected to pick up archery who are now leaders in this nation, young people that are just doing amazing things. This has been uh, Waldo Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, and uh, it's been a real pleasure to see you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Uh, stay safe in the outdoors, and we'll see you next Monday.